Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. And I'm J.P. Miller, coming to you from rural Virginia. Guys and girls, today is episode 110. J.P. 110, brother. One pen. We are coming in hot too. Like get let's let's get real. One episode one ten is coming in hot. Uh, yes, first sir. of all, we had some fun last last episode, did we not? With the uh, Elon Musk and um, just the electric cars converting to LS and doing the LS swaps the world and and I everything. Had a ball. Yeah, right. I mean, it was it was a little fun. Obviously, Elon Musk did not attend uh, Fast Brackets Podcast 109. We we should say that to all our listeners to be very clear, right? <laughs> that said, we did get a letter, a listener letter, and it goes a little something like this: "Dear Rex and JP, I thought that was a great advice. I am currently building a Tesla three LS." twin turbo swapped top sportsman car which um i think is great i I think they were uh, truthfully i'm not convinced this listener was all that being serious with us jp i think it was a little facetious although i would like to see it i would like to see a tesla top sportsman car i would too i'm all for it and i had been thinking since last episode what what is the wheelbase on a tesla three or whatever those things are i because if it's anywhere near you know 105 <laughs> right. might be able to do something <laughs> I, I mean it's probably it's very similar to those cavaliers right that um yeah, ran yeah. for so I long like you could probably you know you might be able to just take the body and Hmm. <laughs> well, they're they're all just the bodies, right? I mean, if you think about right. every top sportsman car, I mean, the chassis are the exact same, and then the bodies are a little bit different. And in some ways, I think we could argue that we should have more body diversification in top sportsmen because um, you know we we they are the chassis are all the same, and and then on top of that, you know, you don't necessarily have to get every single inch of arrow out of it. So yeah, maybe we can maybe we can get a Tesla top sportsman car going. I'd like that'd it. Be, yeah, just that'd be cool. Big I ass, mean, I'm, excuse me. We just <laughs> nitrous motor. And- yeah, yeah. No, we we'll, we'll just get no. Listen, we'll just get like just like Elon said. We'll get an well, LS, we we'll get a junkyard LS, put some eBay turbos on that thing, and let it rip. 
Yep. I, I think there's on to something with that. And I will tell you this. Um, and this is, uh, man, along that line, like I don't know if you saw this, but um, I did see this. Over the last two weeks, there's been some really interesting comments coming out and thoughts and all these things when it comes to environmental protections. And I'm about at my wits end, JP. I'm at my wits end with anybody who wants to come at me with anything EPA related. I'm not listening to it anymore. I'm simply not listening to it. And for these reasons, first of all, IBM came out, uh, it was two weeks ago now, and said that carbon emission for food waste over the last year is greater than all transportation carbon emissions combined for last year. So think about that. And I don't know exactly how they calculate that, but they said the carbon emission for food waste is greater than all transportation carbon emissions combined. So that in and of itself, so we're not, transportation is not the greatest culprit, according to IBM, I guess we'll trust them. I mean, I don't know what their angle would be otherwise. So we're going to let them be, um, you know, the experts in that. We're going to say, hey, okay, IBM, we're going to listen to you. But the carbon emissions for food waste. So, okay, first of all, there. Second of all, uh, the Nord Stream 2 was blown up um, out in Europe. It put all that natural gas into the water. That was nothing, had nothing to do with race cars. That was a government, de- I mean, really uh, declaring war almost with the Nord Stream stuff. That's crazy talk. Then you've got these trains derailing all over the United States this week. I don't know if anybody saw that stuff, but the thing that happened in, in Ohio this week has been nuts from an environmental standpoint. And none of the EPA people have anything to say. What they want to worry about is whether somebody is making, you know, uh, is is burning coal in a diesel truck or if you know they want to come to the drag strip and get all uh, loopy with that stuff. I'm not listening to it anymore, JP, because they're not serious people. When they when they you know uh, they're okay with natural gas pipelines being blown up in the ocean, but and they're they're fine with that, but they're not you know fine with us. Let's say putting a bigger cam in an LS. I'm losing my mind with them and i'm not listening to it anymore i'm just not going to listen to them no it's, it's totally ridiculous and and you know we 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 have to band together and not l- allow them to continue the war on the internal combustion engine because that's what this is um you know yes automobiles and and performance and and all of that stuff is you know a passion of mine and it's how i make my living and i'm not going to be shut down by anybody so they can take all of that and take it back where they got it from. Really? Like, listen, you're either pro ice or you're anti Rex. And there's no in between with me. Like there's no in between like pro ice or anti decide, pick your poison, do what you want to do. But, but it's ridiculous. I think you're the same way, right? I mean, it's, it's gotta be, I mean, I don't put words in your mouth, JP, but come on. Right. Um, Absolutely. The same way. And they can, I'll just say we got ways to make them run <laughs> and, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it does crack me up every so often. I, I see a, a post from somebody who lives in like a, you know, New York or Chicago or LA or something like, uh, not LA so much, but certainly New York city where, you know, what they do is they live in a high rise and 
call Ubers and, you know, and they're like, these hillbillies couldn't last three days if we shut the park. I'm like, no, 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 we'll be just fine. <laughs> we <laughs> will be just fine. Now you, on the other hand, good sir, may have a problem getting through the weekend and, uh, uh you know, but we will be just fine. Those of us that have, uh, you know, internal combustion engines and we know how to fix your thing or two when it, when it need you know, when it comes down to it, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be just fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I just, I just have had it though with people telling me, you know, or the verbiage coming out about, Oh, you know, racing is an environmental, you know what? You're not serious people. You didn't care about the trains derailing. You didn't care about Nord Stream 2 being blown up. You, you really didn't care about, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea what the balloons floating over our country um, all day long, all last week was all about. But I mean, that probably was a bigger issue than anything we've ever done at a drag strip. Nobody cared about that. Do not come at us. I'm, I, I just, I'm, I've had it. I just, I, I, I can't have it. And I'm not even listening to it because I don't think they're serious people, JP. I just don't think they are. No, leave us the hell alone and let us have our fun. <laughs> it, it ain't that hard. It ain't that hard. Leave <laughs> us alone. Go. Um, anyway, uh, guys and girls, if you are interested in building a Tesla top sportsman car, or for that matter, if anybody's out there that knows of a Tesla bracket car, uh, not one that's electrified, we want one with an internal combustion engine. I want to know about it. I know JP wants to know about it. Please send that to us if you don't mind. But uh, that said, JP, let's let's get to it. We've got two great guests today. I mean, honestly, we have two unbelievable guests. First of all, we have pro stock driver Camry Caruso is coming on to talk about the right trailer sponsorship that is really um, fantastic for the NHRA because Wright Trailers has stepped up and become the main sponsor for Top Sportsman and Top Dragster this year. So that's really great. And she was really a fantastic interview. I can't wait for you guys to hear that. And then Mike McBrayer is coming on. Mike is, uh, among other things, but uh, uh, he's the D7 Top Sportsman and Top Dragster rep. And he's also um, really influential in this new series called the Southwest Super Quick Series. Um, and so he's going to talk about that as well. So we've got two great guests on the show, so we might as well get to it, JP. Yep. Let's go. Let's go. All right. He said it, get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show, make your commute, clean the shop, work on that old heap, but metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in because here we go. All right, let's get this thing hot. Let's put this thing in the water box. Let's heat them up a little bit. Let's talk a a hot topic, JP. Um, One which I think is a great topic for all of us in the drag racing world. And that is Mr. Tony Stewart has announced he's going to run full-time this year. He's going to run a full season in top alcohol dragster. That's big news, I think. I mean, a guy of his stature running full-time in the NHRA? That is huge, and um, it's great for drag racing, obviously great for NHRA. Um, A lot of publicity surrounding that deal, uh, especially with Tony Stewart. It's pretty much a household name and probably, you know, 
one of the greatest competitors to ever strap in any form of motorsport. So it's it's great to have him over on our side. And I, I think that's only going to lead to I wouldn't be surprised to see Tony Stewart in a fuel car sometime in the future. Oh, absolutely. Right. I think the that appears to be the plan. Right. That appears to be the plan that he is going to do exactly what his wife does, which is run that top fuel uh, dragster car. And that is, that's huge. I think that's, that's good for all of us, really. I mean, when you take a guy who has had so much success in NASCAR and all the, really everything he's ever driven, and he comes over and he brings that popularity over to our sport. I love it. I, I love everything about it. And um, I, my guess is this, I'm just going to tell you this. <laughs> I don't know Tony Stewart very well. I've met him. He was super nice to me. But I will say this, I don't think that man is going to come home every night and let his wife tell him that she was 50 mile an hour faster than he was every single day. Like, I, I don't think that's going to happen for too long. No, he seems to be a very competitive person. Yes. So yes. I don't think he's going to do anything, you know. I, I don't he I don't think he's gonna do anything with, with without the intent of going fast or winning. So. Right. And I mean I uh, obviously that's a, uh, in a joking manner, but I mean you know that dude. I mean, you know that dude, right? And he he's gonna hear that joke one time and that's all it's gonna take. And he's gonna go, Okay, that's it. That's it. I'm I'm gonna run the same speed as you are, and that's all. I mean, it's, and it can just be one of those off the cuffs, but uh, off the cuff comments. But you know how like Jordan would just get fired up about somebody saying something off the cuff, and then he would go get fifty on him. That's I feel the same thing with Tony Stewart, right? I feel that same like, oh, just say something off the hook, say something, let me go now. Yeah, yeah, I, I I I could see that. It's just the the he's he's one of those guys that you know just like I said the competitive nature is going to take over, and he's he's going to want to go out there and just run over everybody. Yeah, and I I will say this too. I feel like this could be um, there could be some migration from other NASCAR guys, and there, and I just lost my mind. I cannot think, but there was um, another guy that came over from NASCAR to run Top Fuel this year, and um, I can't. I can't think of who it is, uh, JP, maybe you know. But um, I feel like there's potentially is a migration coming from the standpoint that um, just it's a little more economical to go in a straight line and not run into your competitors than it is to go around, you know, circles that many times and have to replace fenders and everything every single week. I mean, I think there's a potential there. Listen, these these guys are finally seeing the light, and you know they're yes. they're finally realizing drag racing is the greatest sport ever in motorsports. It's the greatest motorsport event ever, and you know you can say what you want to say, but at the end of the day, it's like I always say: if you can turn left, you're not going fast enough. Right. Right, let's put this thing in the beams. And guys, girls, we have a special guest with us today. I'm incredibly excited to bring on our guest. She is from Charlotte, North Carolina. She is the Wright Trailers Marketing Director, and she's also your 2022 NHRA Rookie of the Year. Please welcome to the show, 
Camry Caruso. Camry, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm good, but I am not nearly as good as you are uh, because nobody awarded me the Rookie of the Year last year. <laughs> well, thankfully we earned that, but that was definitely exciting for sure. Yeah, incredibly exciting. But uh, you also, we're going to get to that in a little bit. We're going to get to your uh, seat and, and holding the wheel here a little bit. But uh, before we do that, you're very instrumental with uh, Wright Trailers and the, the marketing that they do. And, and you guys recently announced that you are going to sponsor our classes, Top Sportsman, Top Dragster with uh, Wright Trailers, which I think is incredibly awesome. But talk a little bit about why that was important for you guys as an organization to get involved with these classes? Well, honestly, we are, we've been involved in Top Sportsman, Top Dragster, and all of these sportsman classes for quite some time now because of our sponsored drivers and everything. And it kind of just made sense to support the whole category as a whole. And Mike, from Wright Trailers runs Top Dragster and his and Top Sportsman. So it kind of just made sense for us to kind of take the next step and be on the national level with the categories. Yeah, well, from our standpoint, obviously, we're, uh, you know, we, we think that was absolutely the right the right thing to do. But, uh, but it is a big step from a company, I mean, company standpoint. And we obviously see a lot of drivers out there uh, carrying the right trailers banner. So it's, it's really impressive, uh, what that company has done. And, but from a support standpoint, uh, really, really impressive and, and excited to have you guys on board. Was there a tipping point that said, Hey, we just have to, we have to go full bore here and, and, uh, get involved with the whole NHRA classes. Honestly, we've talked about it for quite some time now, and it just felt like it was the right time to, make the move and we're really excited to see how it goes. Yeah. Well, I, I think we're gearing up for an incredibly exciting year. I mean, it feels like, uh, you know, from this, the drivers that we talk to and, and we're around, it feels like, man, people are just amped up and, and ready to roll. Like we've kind of had this couple of years, those kind of, uh, I don't know, it's just been different, right? These last couple of years. And it feels like there's a real energy around this year. So I think you guys have stepped in at the right time. That's what we're hoping for. And we're excited to see how Gainesville goes and see the right trailers, top direction, top sportsman stickers on everybody's cars. And I think it'll be a really good season with it. Cool. So, Cameron, I had a couple questions I wanted to ask you. Um, so last year was obviously your rookie season. Uh, you kind of jumped in, got your feet wet, had a pretty good season. Um, what is going to be the difference in the way you approach this season compared to last season? Uh, well, honestly, it's a whole different setup. We were an independent team last year, and this year we are coming out as the fourth house car at KB. So we have a whole new approach and i think that it's going to be really good it kind of gives me a lot more time to focus on the pr and the marketing and entertaining our partners and doing all of that stuff a little bit more because i don't have to worry about feeding guys lunch and the logistics of it all so 
It'll. I think it's going to be a really cool season. Well, good. I, um, I'm glad to hear that. You um, you obviously came from. Uh, I think you came up out of Outlaw 632, and then maybe you raced uh, Top Dragster a little bit before that. Is that correct? Yep, Juniors, Super Comp, Top Dragster, Top Alcohol, 632, and then Pro Stock. Okay. What What was the allure of the 500-inch Pro Stock? What made you want to go that route? Um, <laughs> honestly, it just kind of all fell into place for us to do it. Originally, that was not our plan. Was originally after 632 to do Mountain Motor Pro Stock, and things just kind of fell into place to do 500. And my grandpa's loved the class for years, and we've always watched the class and cheered it on. And it kind of just all fell into place for us to be a part of it. I understand, because um, I I kind of followed your dad's career when he was racing, and I I figured you may end up in the pro mob, but I guess that didn't that didn't materialize or that wasn't something that you expired to do? I love ProMod and I wanted to drive ProMod, but after my dad's accident, they weren't, they didn't want me to be in the ProMod. So we, Oh, that, that and granddad shut that down. huh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's all right. <laughs> I mean, you're still you're still in a pretty cool car. 500 inches is probably one of my favorite classes too. So that that's pretty cool. You get to do that. Um, I mean, if somebody offered me a promo to drive, I would not turn it down. <laughs> but it would. We will not own one. <laughs> I got you. Um, so I, since you your first year, you got that under your belt. Um, kind of had some success. Uh, you kind of going with a different um, setup this year. You're under the KB umbrella a little bit. Are, are there any drivers out there that you? I mean, I, I, you obviously want to win every round, but are there any drivers out there that you get you get amped up more for any others that you want to maybe no. beat more than any others? No, you just take it as no. I just want to beat anybody. I got you. <laughs> I got you. Anybody you line up against? Huh? Yeah, I just it's part of it. It's the race and. It doesn't really, the cars don't care who's behind the wheel. It's just another race car when it comes down to it. I understand. We say that all the time, Cameron. We say that, listen, um, you got to be able to go down both lanes. You got to deal with some adversary, adversary, uh, whatever is going on in the other lane or whatever they're kind of hyping you up for. Like, do what you do, right? And it sounds like that's Mm -hmm. your mentality. Absolutely. Because, like you said, you just have to be prepared. And if you let, a, dri- a specific driver or a specific team gets you more amped up than you've already lost. I think that's a really good way to look at it. Um, you, I'm curious though. Like, obviously, you, you went through your rookie season. You did really well. You get the rookie of the year. That's fantastic. And then, and then, but then you go and you um, combine with the team. You know, a guy like Greg Anderson, who's won a boatload of races. And I mean, is there something that you have already learned from a guy like Greg or Jason in that, uh, you know, shop that is already went, oh, wow, no wonder, um, you know, they're at that level. Is there something that you've already picked up on just even before we've started racing? Honestly, just the way they take care of everything and the way they maintain everything is just awesome and they do a great job and i'm just really excited to be a part of it yeah the the prep right is the is Mm -hmm. absolutely uh the the whole key to the operation there 
It really is. They are always looking for ways to improve. They're always maintaining things and making things better. And they really, they don't ever stand still. So it's, it's been really neat to watch so far. Do you think that speaks to the high level of competition in NHRA? Um, as, or I guess what I'm trying to say is, what, what would you say would be the difference in the level of competition at the 500 inch level in between, between that and like, and some of your background running 632 and PDRA? Do you think it's the same level of competition, or you think it's higher, or more intense, or? Um, it's just completely different. There's nothing really like pro stock is a professional class. It's 18 races plus testing. It's just. I think that the competition level is probably the same throughout, but it's just a whole different ball game. Yeah, it's it's hard to win everywhere, right? I mean, ultimately, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to win in every every class. And you you've done it. Even um, you had a birthday here recently, so uh, happy birthday! We'd be remiss if we wouldn't didn't say Thank that. Uh, but you're you're still relatively young, at least for old heads like JP and I. Uh, you're relatively young, but but you've been in a lot of cars. So, I mean, is is the pro stock car the funnest car you've ever driven, or is there another car that uh, that was a maybe potentially more fun to drive? Honestly, I don't know that I have like a more fun or anything. It's just so different than anything. Um, it's always you're always busy in the pro stock car, that's for sure. But <laughs> yeah. honestly, I loved all the different cars I've driven. For different reasons like i love my top dragster because it was fun and it was fast and it was just cool <clears throat> the 632 car i enjoyed because it was different than anything i had done prior like the top alcohol dragster oh, i enjoyed sure. because it was just like a whole different beast like the, i just enjoy all of them for so many different reasons that i don't know that i really have a favorite that's the smart answer, Gamer. By the way, that is the absolute smartest answer right there because what <laughs> I mean, they're all fun, right? They're all fun to drive. It's a you should have said it's a dumb question, Rex. Um, and I'm gonna give you the best answer to the dumb question. So that that's that's a fair and good answer, I think. Well, thank you. I definitely try to have good answers. But yeah, that's it's definitely just how I see it. Yeah, no, that's good. Was your your six thirty two car? Was that a that was a that was a, a clutch car, wasn't it? It was. So you kind of did you learn anything in that that you could apply to five hundred inch? Or is that just a totally different world? I know shift points and all that stuff are critical, but um, it was a clutch. Car. It was set up like a pro stock car, um, more so a mountain motor car than a five hundred. But honestly, that was the whole point of six thirty two was get to get prepared to drive a clutch car. So it was a clutch car with a five-speed. It had a Lanko in it, but it had the Liberty shifter on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so it was basically to prepare me for pro stock. Gotcha. That's, that, a, that's, that's a, cool. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. Um, that That's great. So you as you, um, you made these steps, right, as you've uh, – gotten a little older and tried, you know, went to different classes and stuff. You've made these different steps. Now that you're in year two, um, do you have any goals for yourself or is it just try to be the best we can every time out? What, what, what's your mindset from that standpoint? 
Honestly, I just want to go out there, qualify, number one, win races, and hopefully win the championship. That's a pretty but good you have goal. To win races to do that. <laughs> right, right. That's a that's a pretty good goal. Yeah. Um, that that's uh, and then, right. That's the the process is sometimes uh, more important than the results. I mean, is that kind of kind of how you approach it? Yeah, definitely. You have to kind of go through the steps for it to get to that. So it's important to take the baby steps and prepare and make sure you're ready. Yeah. All right. Well, we know that pro stock is a, is a full-time deal, um, certainly from that standpoint. Um, but, uh, you know, with, with these other stuff, do you ever, um, get in, would you have any plans on getting in these other cars at some point during the season? Well, I might be running a dragster in a few weeks, but I'm not a hundred percent sure yet okay. on that, but I'm definitely not against running other cars throughout the season so we'll see yeah well no that makes sense it's kind of the beauty of drag racing right is that you can do um you can compete in other series and and things like that i mean it's uh it's the most versatile sport there is so that that's a good thing from that standpoint um well that's good well we we appreciate you coming on certainly and we're rooting like crazy for you from this standpoint and you know you're talking to two people who would absolutely um do some bad things in order to drive a pro stock car so um you know we're we're rooting for you and and happy for you that you're you're doing this you're carrying the torch is what i'm saying camry well thank you i appreciate it and hopefully we'll make you guys proud this year you'll do it for sure um guys girls that was the great camry caruso if you need her all right as we hit the half track report presented by dragracelawyer.com on with us now from goodyear arizona he is your former d7 top sportsman top dragster rep he is a top dragster standout, uh, winning the JEGS All-Stars in 2015. And he is currently your benevolent director of the Southwest Super Quick Series. Please welcome Mike McBrayer. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm sitting here at Tucson Dragway. We're going to have an event uh, starting tomorrow and Sunday. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. This Southwest Super Quick, we're building it from scratch, and uh, hope it hope it uh, gets some legs here. We'll see how it goes. I I want to know all about that. I really do. I want to know all about the Southwest Super Quick. Um, but before we do that, we've got to go way back. We got to go way back and find out exactly how how uh, this passion came to you. And because I, I know you race a lot of stuff. When when was the first time you went down a drag strip, Mike? Oh my gosh! I, the statute of limitations had run out, but when I was 16 years old, I would uh, borrow my mother's car and take it out to Orange County Raceway and enter it in the bracket racing out there. And uh, of course, we had shoe polish on the windows. She always couldn't figure out when I came home from Wednesday nights so the next day why her windows were so clean in her car. Pretty right. funny, <laughs> right? <laughs> they didn't. Yeah, that was good. So, so that was the first uh, quote unquote race car. You had is that right? Mom's uh, grocery yeah, grocery getter. 
64 Buick Skylark. I don't even know how fast it went, but it didn't matter. I was just bracket racing. It's not about how fast you go. It's uh, can you cut a light and put a right dial in on it? How drive the stripe? It's bracket racing, man. That's what I do. I love it. And you you got a couple of cars right now. You you've been campaigning this top dragster for a while, but you I mean you've got other cars as well, correct? Yeah, I was able to buy uh, Gary Thompson had an '86 Corvette. Uh, that he ran at Super Street for years. He just just absolutely dominated with it. He decided to sell it, and I bought it from him. And uh, I enjoy that. Uh, running in the Super Street category is so much fun. It's uh, the, only, the only problem is jumping from the Super Street car or from the dragster in the Super Street car when I'm staging, it feels like I'm past the, the tree, you know, because <laughs> the car's so short. <laughs> yeah, I can but see I don't, that. I don't, <laughs> I don't care what I race. I... I if it's got four wheels, I'll put a dial in on it and race it. I love, I love it. Um, I love it. To that, to that standpoint, then I mean that probably made you a good rep in terms of you know top dragster and top swords guys. I know you've been a a rep for Division Seven for quite some time now. I mean, you feel like that mentality is is kind of what you need in that position. You know, being a rep is an interesting job because what i took it as is i would talk to a lot of the racers and when it when an issue came up or a hot point and i would try to get the majority decision i mean what do the most people feel like on this certain topic and then i would transfer i would transfer that I, I i would relay that to the nhra whether they did anything with it who knows it's not that's out of my hands but I did have a lot of people say, oh, you think this and you think that, and they they get upset with me. And I said, no, I never told you my true thought. What I'm telling you, I'm I'm representing the majority of the racers, and I feel like this is what the majority want done. The the key there is for a rep is is, is like like in politics, I guess. It doesn't happen as much, but we can't can't make it a self-serving opinion. We have to do what the most of the racers, what, what what they want. And I think that's what a true representative does. And uh, I tried to do that. Uh, I had a lot of input when we first started Top Dragster. Top, well, of course, it, it started in IHRA, Top Sportsman, Top Dragster. But when we went to the NHRA, I was, I was, I like to say I was instrumental in a lot of the rules, but I was also educated incredibly by the other divisions, the reps in the other divisions about in their area why they needed a certain rule or didn't need a certain rule. It was very enlightening. So uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, we got some new fresh guys, gals, put their name in the hat for it. And uh, I wish them luck. They better have some Nomex skin, though, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Um, yeah, that well, the the class itself, right? The classes have have really gone some through some evolution. Um, you feel good about where where we're at in terms of top sportsman and top dragster right now as a whole? You know, I feel great about it. I remember when it first started; and it was a six flat and a quickest style allowed, and all these guys were saying, "Oh, everybody will put Brad Motors in their car. Everybody's going to run a six flat." But what they didn't realize is that you can spend money and get down to about a 670, 660. But when you go start going 650 and quicker, you have to have some knowledge. 
you really have to have some experience. Yeah. And it, it just isn't, you can't buy that much ET. Um, you can, I suppose, but you better have a tuner. You better have somebody uh, helping you out that knows exactly what they're doing. So is, is the class getting quicker? Yes. Is it, uh, is it everybody running six flat now or six ten? I guess, right now? No, because that's not, uh, that's not what it was designed for. It's not a six to ten index class. And I think it's held off for quite a number of years not going there because it's difficult. It's very difficult to go that quick. Man, it, that is accurate. Yeah, you're, you're right. Like the, the old kind of saying is like every time you want to go a little bit faster, it costs double the money. And when you, when you say like, I'm going to try to go, uh, you know, six fifties to six forties, like it is, it's, it's double the money to, to go that little bit or, you know, and I think it's either one, right. It's either the money or the experience. And that costs just as much sometimes too, to get that experience. So, man, you're, you're right about that is that, uh, it, it costs, it costs in either knowledge or cash, one of the two. And it's even the cash isn't that easy. No, it's the, you can't, the beautiful thing about bracket racing, and, and I'll argue all day long, super comp's the 890 index. Mm -hmm. Guys, it's a bracket race with everybody with the same dial in, okay? That's all it is, right? Same thing with Super Street, it's a bracket race. Sure. Everybody just happens to have the same dial in, right? That's just what it is. But the beauty of it that I see is you can't outspend somebody and beat them. Right, right. Yeah, and uh, I think there's even been some, and I I don't follow the class quite enough to know. I mean, there's certainly there's there's money being spent in that class, but there's also some guys going the other way, saying, "Hey, if you want to go 180s, that's fine. We'll go 110 and make you uh, you make you work the other way, right?" I mean, that I, somebody with a little more knowledge of that class could speak to that, but but uh, to your point, I mean, it doesn't take a whole bunch to go 890s in a dragster. And you can do it a hundred different ways, right? Well, yeah, it's A to B. It's just, uh, you know, I ran an altered in super comp. You can't win in super comp with an altered. Well, I, I did okay. <laughs> um, but the point of bracket racing I wanted to bring up to everyone is that, you know, everybody kind of laughs to have a, <clears throat> nowadays the guys with money have these cars look like show cars and they come in and everything. You go to a big bucks race and there's a guy with a 75 Chevy pickup with a flatbed trailer with a 74 Vega with a small block and it's all primered. Watch out. That guy will, will absolutely. <laughs> he will pick your pocket. You know? Right. In bracket racing, you can't take anyone lightly. Well, he's probably and been so, running uh, that, that same combo for about 32 years too, right? It's been the same. Uh, yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he, he probably knows what it's going to run just based on, uh, you know, however, whatever the, it feels like when he goes to the hot dog stand. I'm sure of it. Yeah, that's a, it's a great point. It's a great point. You still do some bracket racing outside of what you do with the dragster? Uh, well, no, I don't. I, I, I haven't been. Um, I run the, the Corvette in Super Pro, and I've been to some big bucks races, and uh, I, I did fairly well in them. You know, uh, you get into the dragsters and the door cars, they split them up, and then when they get down to the – the last few cars, they, they join them up. But I, I haven't won a big bucks race, but I've, I've got a few dollars. Um, it, it, and it doesn't really matter to me. Um, 
people ask me all the time, how do you get go from a top dragster into a super street car? And I said, well, you get out of the dragster, you get in the super street car, you buckle <laughs> in, and you, it's the same thing. You have to stay, do a good burnout. You focus on the process. You do a proper burnout. You stage the car. You, dr- you try to cut a decent reaction time, and you try to make sure you have the right number on the car and go down there and turn on the wind light. I mean, it's just... It's the elapsed time has virtually nothing to do with it. It's a little more exciting going fast, but to be honest with you, turning on the wind lights is way more exciting at any speed. How, how do you feel about them separating the Jaxxers and door cars? Do you do you care one way or the other? You think it's a good idea? Or? It does not make any difference to me. I don't know why they do it. I, I don't know. I, I, I know some pretty darn good racers that can win and no matter what you put them in you know it's just yeah (laughs) it's a perceived advantage or disadvantage i suppose but if you've got your act together and you know your car is going to run what difference does it make it it, to me it doesn't make a difference i I never thought did but and then we get into this controversy now southwest super quick i elected to run it on the eighth mile rather than the quarter mile. Okay. There's a lot of controversy. A lot of controversy with that. And I said, no, we're going to run eight miles. Well, uh, as, as your listeners probably know, there is a traction compound shortage in our country right now. Right. So we, we the, the bottom line is <clears throat> these track operators have to make a profit or we're not going to have a place to race. Man. So when I said, we're going to run eighth mile, they said, yes, we're going to run eighth mile. Because it's way less glue, it's, it just makes more sense for them. And uh, it's over quicker. I mean, my top dragster goes pretty fast in the, in the eighth mile, but it, it, you just adapt to it. I, I, I don't, I, I don't uh, you know, if it's got a beat, I can dance to it, right? I don't care. <laughs> and I, I just want the track to survive. Yes. And, 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 and uh, so, like, I'm here at Tucson. Now they're running some of the categories tomorrow. The super comes up on the quarter mile. I elected to keep the uh, super quick, our Southwest super quick at eighth mile because, you know, I got to be honest with you. In my top dragster, once I hit the eighth mile, on, I'm along for the ride. All the tuning and all, all the, mm. the adjustments, everything happens in the first 330 feet. After that, it's just whatever. And uh, I just want to race. I don't want to overthink it. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that a lot. Um, well, tell us a little bit about the the origin of Southwest Super Quick because obviously you, I mean you're you've done it uh, from the driver standpoint a long time. You've been the D seven rep. What what made you say, hey, there there's another series that needs to be kind of promoted and and worked a little bit. Well, that's a good question, and I'll give you a little my, my, a little bit of my history, guys. In 2004 or 5, uh, myself, Steve Kasner, and a couple other guys, we started a thing called NorCal Top Comp. I lived in Napa right next to Sonoma Raceway. And at that time, Top Comp, uh, Top Dragster and Top Sportsman weren't separated. They had run Top Comp in D6, and I was trying to get it started in D7. Okay. So I, I elected to start it at the club level, at the local level. And so we started this group and it took off. It, it, it took off like a wildfire. Everyone loved it. They love running their cars flat out rather than 
on the throttle stop. And I ran it for four years. I learned a huge amount of just a lot of experience running a club or whatever you want to call it, association, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. I learned a lot about it. And, um, but it kind of wore on me just a little bit. Unfortunately, sometimes the racers, they don't realize or appreciate the effort that the local organizer has put into this thing. And they almost talk to them like they're the NHRA or some big entity that um, they can just gripe at. JP, so you know anything about that? Uh, I, I know all about that. I was, go- <laughs> I, I, w- I was going to ask you. Um, I was going to ask you a question that I ask myself every day. What What made you decide to start promoting race? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what? I wanted. I in in 1999, I went up to Division Six, and Mike Rice and Chris Blair were running a thing up there called Top Comp, and I took my dragster. I had been running uh, Corbell Super E, the 790. The mm. 790 deal. And I was very successful in that. I won the Division 7 championship in 97, 98, and in 2000. In 99, I finished fourth. It pissed me off so bad. I've won it again in 2000. I love 790, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I wanted to go faster. I guess I just wanted to see if I could go faster. I went up there, and my dragster was running at Woodburn, like 760s. And it was a bracket race. We didn't even have a crossover box. They had to turn that. They didn't have a true starter or whatever it was, or not true start, but uh, cross talk. So they turned the uh, top yeah, bulbs yeah. in. Yeah. And I used to have to take a little calculator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. I had to take a pocket calculator and calculate the difference if I was the slower, faster car. About that, put that much in the delay box. No big deal. Well, I got... I got so that worked my way to the final. I got runner up at that race. I said, you know what? This is so fun. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get it in Division Seven, so I started. Uh, the best way to do it is to start a local club and build momentum there, and then it'll eventually catch on, which it did. And then we got top comp into Division Seven, and then of course it splintered into Top Sportsman, Top Dragster. So that's what I did then. I. I only did it for four years. Some other people took it over. It went for a few more years after that. It was pretty. It was. It was. It was pretty good. So what so you, happened was, go ahead. Um, so, no, I was gonna say you don't. You don't catch any flack for racing in the in the series that you promote. I didn't. No, I didn't. Okay. No, I didn't. I just I, uh, I, I haven't. I haven't actually. The races I put on, I haven't actually raced in them. But I just wondering how that and. Where I'm from, that could be an issue. But anyway, go ahead with what you were saying. Well, well it is. It, 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 it could be an issue, but I, <laughs> I don't. I, I, if only if you let it be an issue. I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 I don't know. But so, what happened was, is two years ago I moved from Napa, California. I moved to Goodyear, Arizona, and I noticed in Arizona. There wasn't any local races for me to run my top dragster at. So I had to run the division races or the national opens or something. I said, why don't we have a fast bracket category here? I I talked to quite a few of the long-time Arizona racers, and I talked to uh, Jim Hughes here at Tucson. I talked to Chuck Sundstrom at Wild Horse. 
And I said, do you think this will fly if we put together a little eighth mile series? And he said, you know, I think it will. So we started, I, 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 I come up with this Southwest super quick and, um, uh, we, we come I come up with a set of rules. Just, it's just same as top dragster, top sportsman. The only difference is we have a five fifteen max dial allowed. You can't, you gotta go, you gotta go quicker than five. You're, you gotta dial faster than five fifteen. And is it, so, Mike, is that for both cars? You put them both together. Is that right? Door cars yeah, and dragsters. Whatever you want. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. think there's a, I think there's a, a alcohol, like a fuel altered here this weekend. That's going to run with us. And I think there's a small tire car. What do they call them? Small tire, big tire. I'm just learning about that. <laughs> of course, <laughs> right? Small. The small. That's a huge following. That class. Those classes are building, and they don't have a place to race as much right. as they want. Yep. <clears throat> and the guy called me. Can we? Can I race with you? And I said, You can pass tech. You can race them. So. <laughs> that's, I, I, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care about the, the style of the car. Come on, let's race. Let's put a dot, put, get the shoe polish out, put a number on it, and let's see what happens. And that's, that's what, that's my whole idea. I try to make it simple. Yep. <laughs> Southwest Super Quick has no membership. There's no secret handshake. There's no driver meetings where we all sit around and talk. We're all veterans. We know what to do. <laughs> the only way we'll talk is if we're changing something or we have to make a decision. <clears throat> Excuse me. But other than that, you guys know what to do. Just show up, get in line, race, and that's it. I'm trying to make it real, real simple. Could could we add a secret handshake though? I think that would add something to the to the class and the, the series a little bit. If we could add a secret handshake, Mike. You know, I've been thinking about that, but I haven't come up with one yet. I need to find some fifteen year old kids right. handshake they do. Right. You know, I don't know I don't know what they come up with, but and, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd have to have a young person. It's like when I work on the computer, I got to get a 15-year-old kid to show me which button to push next. <laughs> right. They, they could come up with one in 10 <laughs> seconds for you. That would be great. Um, and is it is it a 32-car field then? Is that how you do it or is it all run? Or what? what is the – what's the typical? Yeah, okay. All run. All run. So in our first race here, the first day we ever did it, we had four cars show up. Oh boy, four cars. Yeah. So I got out my magic. I got out my thinking cap, and I said, "We're not going to do that." So I ran. I, I I come up with a modified Chicago style round robin thing. Okay. So what I did was, what I did was, I said, "All right, so we're going to run two rounds or one round, two four cars." Okay. We're going to end up with two winners and two losers. Stay with me now, right? We got two winners and two run- losers. The two winners are going to race each other the next round, and that'll give a guy with one win and one loss, and then the guy with two wins. The guy with two wins gets the buy in a, what turns out to be the third round. <clears throat> the guy that the two losers race each other. The you, it, we're going to end up with a guy with one win and one loss, and a guy with two losses. The guy with two losses, he's out. So he's one of the semifinalists. Then the two guys that have one win and one loss race each other to see who's going to race the guy with two wins in the final. So we, okay. we essentially turned four cars into a four-round race. Everybody loved it. Awesome. <laughs> Just trying to get more time going down the track. That's right. Yeah. So, 
And no, then the second day, second day we had six cars. We didn't have to do that. And then we went to Wild Horse. The first day we had four cars again, and we did the we did the round robin thing, whatever you want to call it. I'll call it uh, Mike's uh, brainchild. I don't know what it is, but everybody <laughs> likes it. I like it. And then the second day we had nine cars. So now, how many we're going to have tomorrow? Your guess is as good as mine. I have no. If you can tell me how many cars you're going to have at a drag race, give me the winning lottery, lottery uh, numbers too. Okay? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, but this is the first year for it, right? So this is uh, event number four in this the whole history of the Southwest Superquick, correct? Uh, event number three, actually. We had one at Tucson, one at Wild Horse, and we're back at Tucson. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So you're early in this process. You're, um, yeah. man, I, I'm, I'm real excited for you, uh, man. If, if, uh, if people want to race, I mean, it seems like a good place to do it and, you know, race against other fast cars and a good environment for sure. And I think you, you guys on the West coast will catch on to this eighth mile stuff soon enough. I mean, that's all we do on the East coast. So it, uh, I think, I think you'll get really used to it real quick. Well, you know, Hardcore racers will just adapt. Mm-hmm. They just want to race. Some of the guys, you know, they complain if you gave them a $100 bill and it had the wrong serial number. I don't know. <laughs> They're drag racers, right? Yeah. So, man, so, yeah. But the bottom line is, they're still going to show up and race. They might complain, but they're still going to show up and race because at heart, they're racers. They want a drag race. And you still have to cut a light. You still have to run the number, put put your dial in on there. You still have to drive the stripe. You still have to do everything. It just happens a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 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 it, it just seemed to be the eighth mile here. Uh, next week we're running the double divisional at Phoenix. It's quarter mile. <coughs> I don't care. <coughs> Excuse me. I'll race anything. I, it, it, I'm I'm not a fan of one or the other so can so can your guys run the southwest super quick and then can they also enter in one of the divisional classes as well uh sure they can well no we're we're not running southwest super quick in conjunction with the division right? oh okay all right my my mistake no 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 it's just no 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 it's a division race. but but on that good thought though because on that note at Wild Horse, we had guys double dipping. We had them running in Super Pro, and running in Southwest Super Quick. Like it, yes. <laughs> yeah, so it's really smart. Why? Yeah, why not? You know, you're there. You've already towed. You already paid the fuel to tow there. It's yeah. another entry fee. Oh well, you know, you got another another shot at uh, racing. And and so uh, the one thing that's why one of the reasons I made it five fifteen and quicker though. Is I and a lot of guys are saying, "Oh my gosh, we need to make it 550 and all this stuff." They say you're going to lose cars. What I don't want to do with Southwest Super Quick is I don't want to poach cars from Super Pro. Mm-hmm. I want it to be Super Quick. The reason it's Super Quick, 515. Now remember, we're at we're at an altitude track here at, at uh, Tucson. At uh, Wild Horse is a bit of an altitude track. Well, the, the indexes are. 890, you know, 1099, but it's 1100 feet here. We're like 2200 feet here at Tucson. And somebody asked me, well, are you going to make it 515 at one track and 505? No, we just make it 515. It's, it's make, there keep you it go. Simple. 
Yeah. <laughs> but my is a pretty pretty good car, pretty fast car. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, well, Mike, I I really appreciate you coming on and telling us a little bit of backstory here on the Southwest Super Quick because that sounds like uh, a really uh, really cool series. <laughs> And, you know, if I was within a thousand miles of that, I would have my, my stuff out there with you. But, uh, I think the folks on the West coast should really consider it because it sounds like a, just a really, um, fun and, and really cool series you, you've put together there. Thank you very much. And, and, and FYI, we have a lot of Canadians down here right now because it's, uh, a little cold up there in Canada and they're down here right now. We, we've got one, two, I think we got four Canadians going to run with weekend and they got really nice cars really fast cars so um you know uh, it's we don't discriminate i don't care what kind of car you got past tech get in here and race with us and so uh i hope the series builds i don't know what's going to happen you never know till you you dip your toe in the water and you you just see and and uh i kind of did it because i want a place to race my car without traveling so far at the price of diesel and stuff Right. You know, who knows what's going to happen? But uh, we're not we're, we're not lucky like you guys back in the back in the east of the Rockies where you got 15 tracks within 12 miles of your house. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there is that. Well, I know just enough about Canadians to know that Mike, if you just put a Molson at the finish line, you'll get more racers from Canada that to show up than you can shake a stick at. So just do that, and you'll have full fields. Don't you know? Don't you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. Mike, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a great, uh, great interview. And I'm, I'm very excited about your series. Please come on again at some point and uh, give us an update. You know, and there's one other thing I got to plug it. Southwest Superquick is looking for series sponsors. And we're new. We've got, we've got two sponsors so far. And I think a lot of people are interested, but they're kind of waiting to see how it plays out or not. Yeah. But anybody out there listening that wants to get involved in a ground level, all the money that we take in goes back to the racers. I'm not making a dime off this thing. Um, all the entry fees get paid out. I'm just doing it because I love racing and I want to see this thing succeed. And I want a place for fast cars to race. And so anybody out there that wants to uh, call me and talk to me about uh, becoming a sponsor, we uh, we would really like that. I have Mike, to plug it. Sorry. Yeah, no, Mike. What's the best way to reach you? What's what's the best way to get hold of uh, you? Easy. My phone number I've had since 1990. It's 707-486-1153. Got it. Okay, guys. Uh, it's a podcast, so if you didn't get that, you can stop it and rewind and listen to that number again. But, uh, uh, Mike, that's great stuff. I, I hope somebody steps up because it sounds like this this thing has some legs and really excited to just hear how that thing goes for you. So go get them, and thank you again for coming on our show and uh, telling us all about that. Well, good luck. Well, to you, I appreciate Mike. it very much. And and if and if it doesn't go, it won't because we didn't. It won't be because we didn't try hard enough. Let's put it that way, right? That's right, man. That is exactly right. <laughs> Guys, girls, By the that way, I, I love you. I, I love you. I love your podcast. I love listening to your stuff and. I uh, can't wait to hear how bad I sound on there. <laughs> no, no, you killed it. You absolutely killed it. Um, now, that, thank you. That's nice of you to say. But uh, guys, girls, um, that was the great Mike McBriar, if you need it. <laughs>
right, let's bring this thing back in. JP, let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 110. And there it is. There is the wind light and the sweet, sweet sounds of Laura Brannigan. Whew. Unbelievable. I love it. Yep. Rex, we had a great week this week. Uh, two great guests, Camry Caruso and Mike McBrayer. Um, and guys, if you have any questions, comments, curse words, you know the three ways to get at us uh, on the Facebook page using Messenger. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, man. Like, no, let's, I mean, let, let's only give them one way to do it, JP, because, like, just tell them, hit them up on the Facebook Messenger, because I think that's the best way. Obviously, we're both on Facebook way too yeah. much so just just hit us up on the <laughs> facebook messenger that's the easiest way I'm I'm and, and you know i think that's good i mean but you can curse at us if you want but we'd like we'd like you not to we'd like you to just talk about how great these guests were i i thought camry was really great talking about the right ta- trailer sponsorship and then mike was uh he was just unbelievable. I mean, he really was in terms of what he's doing for our sport out on the West Coast. I, I just, I really appreciate his efforts over the years. Always great to see more organizations popping up for guys to run these type of cars. Um, so more opportunities to race guys. So guys, if you're out there, man, look mic'd up and go give him a try. I like it. I like it. Uh, guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down. And travel safe.